Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. With me, Carly. I hope you are all well, witches. On today's episode, we are going to be meeting once again with Primrose Hill, our cottage witch, where we are going to be looking at the raven and also graveyard dirt. Before we get started, our book review is The Lighthouse Witches, written by C.J. Cook. So I had previously tried to listen to this book as an audiobook until I realised I can never concentrate on audiobooks. My mind goes elsewhere. So I borrowed this from the local library. Once again, the library coming through. I loved this book so much. Firstly, it's set in Scotland and I read this aching to get back there as soon as. I adore Scotland in the autumn or any time of the year, frankly, but reading this book at this time of year with Samhain round the corner was perfect. It also fitted in really well with when the story was actually being told. This is the book's blurb. Upon the cliffs of the remote Scottish island Lonhaven stands a lighthouse a lighthouse that has weathered more than storms. Mysterious and terrible events have happened on this island, starting with a witch hunt. Now, centuries later, islanders are vanishing without explanation, coincidence or curse. Liv Stay flees to the island with her three daughters in search of a home. She doesn't believe in witches or hauntings or dark omens. But within months, her daughter Luna will be the only one of them left. More than two decades later, Luna is drawn back to the place where her family vanished. As the last sister left, it's up to her to find out the truth. This book is wild. I literally had no idea where it was going. Full of twists and turns, different accounts from different characters, it flits back and forth in time, but I absolutely inhaled it. I couldn't wait for the time to come when I could get back to reading this book. There is a sinister, eerie feeling I felt I couldn't shake whilst reading this book. I just felt poised for something dark and menacing to happen. Whether that was something at the hands of the supernatural or the real life characters in the book. Liv and her three daughters are great characters. They arrive in Scotland a bit worse for wear following an awful bereavement. 
And it's a good representation of Liv feeling like a struggling mum with three kids to look after. I loved the description of the lighthouse, the area they find themselves in, along with the locals and the avid belief many of them have in witches, curses, wildlings. Despite the name of this book, it certainly focuses more on wildlings than witches. I particularly loved this as I do love a story about the Fae, of which I don't think I have found enough of that dabble in weaving folklore into the plot. I absolutely lapped this up. The only criticism that I had in regards to this book is the author does take some real artistic license when it came to some unbelievable processes in regards to the local authorities and so on. But I can't say too much on that front without giving anything away in relation to the plot. If you read it, I'm certain a few bits you'll think, mm, yeah, I don't think that they would do that. But anyway, it is just a story, Carly. Don't take it so seriously. At times, the story feels bleak. I would say it is a good fairy-driven horror. There's folklore, gore, witch hunts mixed in with teenage angst and family struggles for survival. Surprisingly loved this book after not enjoying the audiobook and cannot recommend it enough for this time of year with Samhain just around the corner. On that note, if you would like to join us for our Coven Gathering with the Witches Institute, we're getting together via Zoom on Thursday 26th of October from 7.30pm to celebrate Samhain and tell ghost stories. There is a link in the show notes. It is just £6 per month to sign up to Patreon. You'll receive grimoire pages for the podcast episodes Patreon podcast episodes, Hedgewitch studies with a look at either a crystal, plant, tree or power animal, folklore retellings, access to our witchy book club, The Literary Witches Coven, where we read a book together each month and meet monthly to discuss it, entirely optional of course, our witchy community on Discord, which is so friendly and active, and of course, our monthly witchy get-together. You can also cancel at any time. With Samhain in mind and you to follow, I also sell zins on my Etsy store. There is a link on my website on the show notes. So there's the Hedge Witches Book of Shadows, which covers Samhain and Autumn overall. And the Hedge Witches Grimoire, this covers Yule and Winter, and both are packed full of folklore, spell work, rituals, divination, recipes, herb and tree magic, and also information on goddesses. Join me after the break to meet once again with our cottage witch, Primrose Hill, with a look at her plans for Samhain, the raven and graveyard magic. That year's 
Indian summer had finally come to an end. There would be no more confusion as to whether to wear summer or autumn clothes. Primrose's summer dresses were now well and truly packed away until next spring. And in their place, woolly jumpers were now called for, along with her black lace-up heavy boots and a warm black cloak. The veil was thinning and Samhain was just around the corner. Primrose had already begun to decorate the cottage with autumnal remnants she found on her daily walks in the forest. Conkers, large red crispy leaves and acorns. She had purchased some miniature pumpkins and gourds from Mr Meadowworth's farm shop that week, placing them round the kitchen and upon her altar. The two large pumpkins she bought were put aside to carve upon Samhain night and leave out by the cottage's garden gate. A lantern that had many uses, to guide the spirits on their way or to ward off evil ones. Primrose had always loved hearing how jack-o'-lanterns were believed to have originated from Ireland. They would carve lanterns out of turnips or mangle wurzel often adding grotesque faces to them. The person carving the lantern would either use it to represent the spirits and it be used as part of Samhain celebrations to scare people, or it would be crafted to place, perhaps in a windowsill, to ward off evil spirits from the home. Irish immigrants brought this tradition to America, swapping out turnips or beets for the native pumpkin. The term jack-o'-lantern originates from sightings of unexplained lights over peat bogs, marshes and swamps that were referred to as ignis fortis, Latin for giddy flame or will-o'-the-wisp. Will-o'-the-wisps are often found in English and European folklore. These small, strange, eerie lights were said to appear as a flickering lantern or lamp and would trick travellers in the dark to follow them. These lights were often attributed to the fae, ghosts or elemental spirits. Primrose had located a box with photos of family members past and begun to arrange them on her altar and the kitchen dresser around some candles. Her grandmother's photo she decided to place in the kitchen so she could be alongside her in spirit while she cooked up a storm that Sabbath. Although her grandmother was no longer on this plane, the last couple of weeks it was as though she couldn't escape her. She could constantly hear her grandmother's voice in her mind hassling her to begin making preparations and decorating the house for Samhain not to mention her turning up in Primrose's dreams. With the first dream, a fresh wave of grief hit Primrose. She cried tears of joy to see her grandmother again, yet upon waking those tears turned to sadness as the realisation that dreams can sometimes play a cruel trick on us to appear as though they are real. Primrose heeded her grandmother's requests. She was increasingly conscious of honouring her grandmother's reverence for Samhain and took to studying the grimoire even harder than usual. The longer nights drawing in meant more time sat by the hearth to take it all in and practice magic as and when she could. 
Mostly she had been formulating lists of all she would need to cook the many different dishes her grandmother concocted in former years for the yearly dumb supper. When Primrose wasn't organising supplies for Samhain, she was intent on planning what she wanted to release from her life at Samhain and have clarity on what she wanted to bring in for the new witch's year. Her plan being to use the darker seasons to work on her knowledge of herbs and growing before spring bloomed, understanding more about moon gardening, a method her grandmother had sworn by that had kept them in ample supplies across the years. Many of the stores her grandmother had left before her passing were coming to an end and next year really was down to Primrose, to ensure all the fruits and vegetables were preserved and pickled for use over the next year's winter months. When Samhain came around, so did the ravens. Primrose was used to one particular raven hanging around the cottage. There had been more than one occasion he had tapped on the window persistently and hassled her until she had finally followed him to the forest on what turned out to be an adventure. However, this time of year, day by day, ravens flocked to the roof of the cottage, giving Primrose sleepless nights due to them scrabbling about and cawing. They always came at this time of year as far back as Primrose could remember. Every year she would be reminded of the Hill family legend. Whilst Isabel Gowdy was proclaiming to shapeshift into a hare, the hill witches were shape-shifting into ravens. Allegedly, this was due to a family reverence for the Celtic goddess, the Morrigan, along with their ancient Irish ancestry. Strangely, come the night of November 1st, every single one of those ravens disappeared to take their place back in the forest amongst the branches. Peace would reign once more. It seemed the hill witches could never miss Samhain at Moon Willow Cottage, dead or alive. When the ravens had started to return, Primrose decided to take a look at the grimoire to see what she could discover about them overall. The raven. Spiritual meanings. Courage. Life without fear. A messenger from another realm. Wisdom. Transformation. Divinity. Rebirth, keeper of secrets, crafty, change, magic is present, recovery, renewal, reflection, healing, freedom, divination, secret knowledge and death. The raven signifies moving through transitions smoothly by casting light into the darkness. The raven as a spirit animal can indicate you benefit from working with tools and are quick to pick up on how to use them. You are an individual who continually discovers new hidden depths to your soul, which you harness to balance out your power. As a spirit animal, raven can also mean you are crafty, proactive, playful, inventive and responsible. Should a raven appear in your dreams, it can indicate some misfortune within your life or alternatively reflect your personal wisdom. 
The raven's appearance in your dreams can be the call for you to work equally within your inner world and the other world. The raven is considered one of the oldest and wisest of animals. Their intelligence is renowned and they have been proven to hold the ability to recognise individual humans. If harmed by a human, they will remember you. The raven can provide us with insight into our own consciousness, along with a heightened awareness. And the raven can support us as we move through transformation in our life. Divination links heavily to the raven. Even their cawing sound has a crass, crass sound. This is often linked to the Latin word crass that translates to tomorrow. The raven is said to reveal omens, signs, and foretell the future, along with keeping secrets and acting as a messenger. Odin is sometimes referred to as Hrafnagud, the god of the ravens. He was always accompanied by two ravens, Hugin, meaning power of thought, and Munin, meaning the ability to intuit. Both ravens would take flight throughout the day across the world, deliver messages and return at end of day to report back all their discoveries from their journeys to Odin. In Norse shamanic tradition, Hugin and Munin represented telepathy, clairvoyance, the powers of necromancy and acted as guides to the dead. Odin's daughters, the Valkyries, would shapeshift into ravens at will. Daughters of great pagan Dane and Viking kings and warriors would sew the symbol of the raven onto banners for their ships to honour Odin and to bring good luck to their voyages. The Morrigan and the raven are often associated for the Morrigan favoured shapeshifting into the raven or a flock of ravens. The Morrigan and the raven are both closely linked to foretelling the future. The Morrigan considered a remarkable prophetess would often take the raven's forms over battlefields as chooser of the slain. Should you witness the raven facing the direction of a clouded sun, this was said to foretell hot weather. To see the raven preening means rain is on its way. Ravens flying at one another is an omen for war. Closely linked to the banshee, the raven is also a harbinger of death. Old beliefs were that should the raven peck at your window with his beak, this was an omen of death. Should he? There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Core in close proximity to your home, there would be the death of someone within it. And for the raven to fly around the chimney or roof of a home containing a sick person indicated that they would die soon. The banshee is said to shapeshift into the raven's form like the Morrigan, as was the goddess and sorceress Morgan Le Fay. The raven is the largest of the birds in the Corvidae family. They are closely related to crows, rooks and jackdaws. Their more distant cousins include the magpie and jay. The raven can be distinguished from the crow as they are usually larger in size, calmer in nature, and the crow is said to be louder. Ravens tend to land in a more stable, grounded fashion. The crow demonstrates a more nervous energy, often flipping their wings upon landing. Upon flight, the raven's tail is more wedge-shaped to that of the crow. Considered following many institutional studies to be adaptable, flexible and possess the highest mental development amongst avian species. Within captivity, they have even been known to be taught to speak. In the wild, their lifetime can span over 30 years. Diet-wise, they are omnivores who will kill if needed for food. They tend to favour scavenging and will eat dead cattle, rabbits, rodents, fish, smaller nesting birds, eggs, insects, shellfish, seeds, berries and grains. They are known to hide food in order to return to it later. Wolves and ravens often work together to secure food. The raven alerting the wolf to potential prey and the wolf allowing them to partake in eating the kill. They've also been known to play with one another, the raven sweeping down at the wolf who will playfully chase. In Christianity, ravens were regarded contradictorily, either considered as the soul of witches and evil priests, or that witches and the devil could shapeshift into the raven. Yet they were also seen in a positive light, symbolic of the solitude of the holy hermit, a protector of prophets and helper of saints. Noah was said to curse the raven for failing to deliver news of the impending floods. The Welsh god Bran the Blessed had the raven as his totem animal. Bran was decapitated during a battle with Ireland, following which his head became an oracle and Bran requested his head be buried in what is now Tower Hill in London. To this day, Bran's ravens are kept at Tower Hill. Both Bran's head and the ravens considered protection for Britain from invasion. Tower Hill was bombed during the Second World War. Sadly, the ravens were lost as a result. Winston Churchill ensured all ravens were replaced from the Scottish Highlands and Welsh hills, direct from the Celtic lands, knowing their importance according to ancient myths. The Bran novices or raven folk were an ancient Celtic clan once in existence in Britain. Scottish Highlanders believed the raven held a second sight. In the Hebrides, an ancient custom was to give your child his first drink from the skull of a raven. 
This would provide the child with powers of prophecy and wisdom. Celtic and Druid healers would use the spirit of the raven to send healing to someone at a distance. You may wish to include the spirit of the raven within any healing energy work that you carry out for friends or family who are long distance from you. For direct energy work with someone who is ill, utilize raven feathers to cleanse and draw out negative energy from their body. Cleanse and shake out the feathers following. Raven energy holds much powerful medicine. To invoke raven as a bird of prophecy, you can use the old English rhyme used to interpret omens by the number of ravens, crows, or rooks seen in a flock. One for bad news, two for mirth, Three is a wedding, four is a birth, five is for riches, six is a thief, seven a journey, eight is for grief, nine is a secret, ten is for sorrow, eleven is for love, twelve joy for tomorrow. This is a traditional Scottish chant to shapeshift into a crow or raven for astral travel whilst holding a crow or raven's feather. I shall go into a crow with sorrow and such and a black thraw, and I shall too in the devil's name until I come home again to change back. Crow, 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 God, send thee a black thraw. I was a crow just now, but I shall be in a woman's likeness even now. Crow, 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 God, send thee a black thraw. Prophecy and divination, I have fled in the shape of a raven of prophetic speech. Primrose finished up that section of the grimoire. She placed the book down on a small side table next to her reading chair before making her way to the agar to begin making a simmer pot before she continued with her studies. Now the nights were drawing in, Primrose took to indulging in sipping hot chocolate spiced with chilli whilst the candles and a warm fire burnt, the scent of autumn spices permeating the air. Primrose's Samhain Simmer Pot 13 whole cloves for psychic power 3 cinnamon sticks for comfort, joy and wholeness 1 teaspoon vanilla extract for spiritual cleansing one teaspoon ground nutmeg for wealth. The peel of two apples for health. Primrose placed all the ingredients into her huge cauldron-like saucepan before covering in water and bringing to a boil before leaving to simmer. Primrose went back to the grimoire to look at the sections pertaining to Samhain and the Hill family's various activities for this Sabbath. The book opened on graveyard dirt. Each Samhain it has been the Hill Witch's tradition to replenish the graveyard dirt, not needing too much mind, just a small jar, equivalent of a herb store jar collected from an ancestor's grave, ideally when the veil is thin for more of an energetic kick. Graveyard magic can be a particularly taboo topic 
However, the following should help you to understand the do's and don'ts. Hill witches have long been known for their dislike of instructing other witches as to what to do within their craft. However, when it comes to the graveyard, there are particular customs that are advised to be followed out of respect for the dead and the living. It is said that when you cross the threshold of the graveyard, you are betwixt the living world and the underworld, a liminal boundary watched over by the guardian of the graveyard, a powerful spirit often said to be of the first person buried upon the site. Folklore tells of communities burying animals or vagabonds first within new burial sites to cheat any of them being the one bound to the site to take on this role. Some believe the Guardian more of a psychopomp, elemental, deity, genius loci or even thought form of visitors to the site. However you might perceive them, it's wise to check in with them energetically upon arrival. Perhaps introduce yourself and explain your intentions. Observe, stay silent for any energetic feelings or messages that may arise to ascertain if you believe the graveyard and its guardian supports you and whatever your magical intentions may be. Graveyards can either feel open and welcoming or haunting, ominous and foreboding. Consider the environment's energy to see if your requirements will be supported upon this land. The Guardian ultimately sets the energetic tone for the site, overseeing the entrance and boundaries and entities that have permission to both enter and remain. Consider leaving an offering to the Guardian upon arrival. Coins are traditional and always welcome. Alternatively, you may have libations, trinkets or food offerings that you wish to leave at the cemetery gates instead. Graveyard guardians may send a message to you as to ways you can provide help to them in return for access to this sacred place. Is there rubbish you can remove? If revisiting the site, perhaps new graffiti you spot that can be reported to the local authorities for removal. If you've arrived at the graveyard for reasons relating to your craft, it's worth noting both the magical and mundane expectations of the Guardian before you use this space. Despite us witches tending to work our magic in the wee hours of night, this often isn't possible to take place within the cemetery, with many locking their gates at dusk. If taking paper rubbings of graves and markers, it's worth noting some graveyards will not allow this due to conservation reasons. The graveyard might have burials taking place and family members mourning, so it's essential to be mindful of this whilst within this space. Mundane rules extend to ensuring your presence there doesn't culminate in any litter. Being respectfully quiet and should you be carrying out magical workings, ensuring nothing is burnt, planted or buried. Working graveyard magic has long been a guarded subject, even between witches. But what we can all agree on, witches, sorcerers and muggles alike, is that death happens for all of us 
and the graveyard is a shared sacred space regardless of our spiritual or religious beliefs. The graveyard is a timeless location, often protected from any development and sometimes the only remaining nature site within busy cities and towns. Sanctuary often to wildlife such as foxes, ravens and other fellow creatures. Some graveyards are the burial place for local legends, a place where people might flock to connect with that person's energy, leave offerings, carry out rituals and utter wishes for their own life. Throughout the course of time and many different magical practices, graveyard dirt has been used as a magic tool in spells for healing, protection, prosperity, blessings, curses, hexes and to commune with the dead. In the first instance, it is advised to visit an ancestor's grave to obtain graveyard dirt, especially for spells for protection. Combine grave dirt from a departed relative's burial place along with crushed eggshells. Sprinkle on the boundaries of your home and land for the purpose of protection. Often graveyard dirt is used in manifestation spells, should an individual wish for untold riches, they might collect and use dirt from the grave of a rich property tycoon or aristocrat. For fame, perhaps dirt from the grave of a screen star. Choose an individual whose life and death has some meaning to you and connects to that which you wish to bring in. It is wise to research and consider this individual's character, behaviour, lifetime and demise. If they lived a life of pain, traumatic experiences or perhaps experienced a tragic passing, it is best to avoid connecting with their spirit for benevolent purposes. For malefic magic, grave dirt of an individual known to have experienced a negative life or death is ideal to induce a similar fate to enemies. Add to spells to hex or curse. Etiquette when obtaining grave dirt is to attempt to communicate with the spirit of the grave. You could explain concisely that you wish to collect dirt from their resting place, what your intentions are should they agree to let you have some. You might wish to show them offerings you have to give them should you agree. Etiquette when obtaining grave dirt is to attempt to communicate with the spirit of the grave. You might wish to explain concisely that you wish to collect dirt from their resting place. What your intentions are should they agree to let you have some. You might want to show them offerings you have to give them should they agree to your request. You could finish up by asking if there is anything that they wish of you in return. Traditional offerings you can make are silver coins, herbs or plants. You only need a small amount of grave dirt for spells. If you feel energetically that they agree to your request after you've delivered all this information, Take a small knife, perhaps your bowling used for your magic work, and scrape a small amount of dirt away from the grave before transferring the soil into a small bottle or container. 
Once you have the dirt in your possession, you might want to thank the spirit for their help. Leave your promised offerings on the disturbed part of the grave where you removed the dirt. Ensure upon leaving the graveyard, you offer up thanks and any offerings to the graveyard's custodian also. Through visiting the graveyard and connecting with the resting place of these individual spirits, we can keep their stories alive and connect with the land around us, which can support our magic. That's all I have for you today, witches. But before I finish things up, I thought I would read you a poem called Autumn in the Graveyard by Ellis Nightingale. Autumn came to the graveyard. The green leaves turned to brown. The flowers faded out of sight. The sunshine turned right down. The ghost girl loved this time the best. The earth seemed half dead too. Her spirit wandered round and round until she felt like new. The others would come later, once the light had left the day. So the ghost girl lingered all day long and watched the robins play. Hope you have a great week, witches. I will catch up with you next week, just before Samhain, sending you lots and lots of witchy love. 